Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm the Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker. I think everyone can agree that knowledge is power, right? You don't know what you don't know, as they say. That's why we thought this radio show was such a great idea. It's a way to educate our community about things that are going on, to share what some great organizations and people are doing to make this community of ours a great place, more caring, more compassionate, more informed. Who doesn't want that, right? So let's talk about and share with others some of the great things that are going on. There's a lot of great nonprofit organizations that are creating initiatives around lots of different issues. Uh, these issues that cause people to take action in the first place could possibly have all started with some kind of challenge. Poverty, homelessness, unemployment, literacy, abuse, the list goes on and on. And thankfully, there's a number of nonprofits stepping up to offer assistance in some way. Adversity. Challenges. We all deal with this at some point in our lives. This is part of living in this world, and it's, it's not something we should shy away from either. Instead, we should seek first to understand and also learn from these challenges and educate ourselves on topics we may be unfamiliar with, even if they're hard, even if they're challenging. Mental health issues can be one of those topics. It's a, it's a topic with many different layers, and it affects all generations, all demographics, Today we'll be talking with two different nonprofits who are helping people cope with different types of mental illness issues and find a sense of community by offering education and physical wellness opportunities so they can lead a, a full and satisfying life. My first guest today is Dr. Adel Corker, founder of the Adel Corker Foundation. Welcome to the show, Dr. Corker. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, to talk to you about uh, my foundation and the work that we're doing in the area of mental health. Well, we're excited to hear what you have to speak about today. You have said to make an impact in society is not easy, but it can be done. One person cannot do it alone, but one can take the first step to lead the way. One way you've taken a step to lead the way is to start your foundation. So can you share with us why mental health is the focus of your foundation? Well, uh, about uh, two and a half, uh, three years ago, when I decided to uh, to step down from my uh, practice as a full-time to a part-time and ultimately uh, uh, completely backing away from the clinical practice, I, I decided to establish a foundation. And because during the time I was practicing medicine for about 30-some uh, years, the area of mental health uh, have always seemed to be uh, a challenge for my patients. Uh, patients who suffer from mental health issues have always uh, had difficulties getting the care that they need, uh, getting the insurance coverage that they that they that they want, and they should have. And so I decided. Well, you know, with this being at hand, uh, and 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 the crises associated with opiate and and suicide, yeah. addic uh, and addiction has really become such an important. Uh, 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 issue in our society, it, which is endangering the 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 the, uh, the social fabric of our society, I decided you know my focus should be on the area of mental health. Now, 
I have to admit that uh, that was also driven by my own personal experience with having suffered from panic disorder for 30 years. I remember my first panic attack. I thought I was going to die. I ended up in the emergency room. I had two cardiac cath. Mm. And it was the gastroenterologist who saw me and was did the endoscopy on me. He said to me, you know, Adol, I wonder if this is a panic disorder. So I went and looked it up, and I was a classical case of, of, of panic attacks. And so having gone through that uh, and having discovered that running has helped me, I decided to to uh, to focus on mental health in foundation, but use running and, and, and exercise as a way to bring that awareness. Uh, and here uh, comes the 55050, uh, which is uh, uh, last year I, I decided to run 5K in all 50 states in 50 days to raise awareness for mental health and enforce the role of exercise and wellness in mental health. And uh, uh, this is, was a great event, and we raised uh, uh, quite a bit of money. But above and beyond that, we uh, had over 2,000 participants of runners, and we reached via social media and, 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 uh, and uh, uh, other forms of media over 85 million Americans. Oh, my goodness. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So if I were to ask what areas of mental health does your foundation focus on, it would be the running piece. Well, you know— I and how that affects let, let me just say, I think the, the area that uh, running uh, and, and fitness is really is something that we would like to enforce as a tool that those who have suffered from mental illness can actually resort to and can use uh, to help them. However, really the foundation's focus is essentially on three items. Number one, early detection and treatment of mental health issues. It's clearly shown now that Mental health issues be, starts at a very young age, and uh, and the problem uh, currently is that you know the 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 kids that are in the you know middle school, uh, uh, you know are 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 exhibiting symptoms of mental health issues that are not being detected by the teachers or the family, or even the pediatrician. And I think we need to raise awareness to the fact that mental illness starts at a very young age. And we need to address it early in, 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 to prevent future problems associated with it. So early detection and treatment is very important. The, the second aspect really is, 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 is uh, suicide prevention and suicide, uh, addressing the area of suicide in our society. And this is affecting a large number of young people. Uh, we're talking about one, in every, one person every 15 minutes is dying of suicide. Mm-hmm. And if you add the number of, 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 of people who are dying of opiate or addiction, it's one every eight minutes. So we have 60,000, 70,000 people dying every year. That's an equivalence of 747 crashing every single day mm-hmm. uh, of either suicide or addiction-related death. And many of these people, 75% of them are young. They're under the age of 24. So, so this is another area that our, that, that our foundation is trying to work on. And the third, and and really a very important area to improve access to mental health issues, you know, we we feel that it's important to integrate mental health in primary care. So uh, there has been a number of ongoing pilot projects of which uh, 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 someone who is a a therapist or a psychologist uh, is, is integrated within the primary care arena of medical practice. And when the primary care physicians encounter patients who 
they suspect that they have some mental health issues, especially through uh, screening of, of anxiety or depression or other screening methods, they can funnel those patients on to those uh, providers who will address their issues, and if they can't, they can move on to a psychiatrist. So try to streamline. And the other area uh, that the fa- our foundation is trying to improve the access to mental health care is is to to support uh, uh, through uh, through uh, funding of scholarship to UW Nursing School in Madison and the one in Milwaukee to graduate individuals who have a nursing practitioner degree or physical physician assistant degrees with mental health certifications. Okay. So they can go out there and be a providers in the community, but definitely at a lower cost and a faster rate to get into the community because we have such a high, such an incredible amount of shortage of psychiatrists, especially child psychiatrists in our country. Mm. Well, so you talked briefly about the importance of physical wellness and exercise and how that plays a role in mental health. And you talked a little bit about your 550-50 event that, that's coming up. So why is running a 5K in all 50 states in 50 days part of the awareness campaign? Can you elaborate on that? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, first of all, I think because I I, I think running and walking is important. Why in 50 states? It's because mental health is all across the country. Yeah, it's yeah. not unique to Wisconsin. It's not unique to Minnesota. It's not unique to, you know, it's all over. Why in 50 days? Because time is of the essence. Mm. We need to make this happen. We need to let people know that we can't just continue to hold on and wait on addressing those issues. Um, that is the reason why 50 states. 50 days. Okay. And this, this is not the first time. Is this the first time you're doing this? Or no, I did, this? It, I did it last year. Oh, okay. All right. So number two go around here. So <laughs> awesome. Well, you talked a little bit before about early detection, and there's, there's lots of stats proving that early detection and treatment results in better prognosis and functional outcome in adult life. So why aren't we doing that? Stay tuned to find out why. We'll be back in a moment. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I am talking with Dr. Adel Corker, founder of the Adel Corker Foundation. Most mental illnesses are very treatable, especially with early treatment that we talked about a little bit before. Children develop rapidly. So delivering mental health services early is necessary to avoid permanent consequences. So if we know this, and there are lots of stats to support it, why aren't we doing it? Very good question. I think it's primarily uh, driven by lack of awareness and and also uh, lack of the preparedness of teachers, parents, and pediatricians of how to detect those type of signs of mental health issues that kids are exhibiting. It's now shown that the kids can show signs of depression at age of two. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so, so, so those type of things that, you know, uh, we as parents aren't taught, you know, how to address or how to detect those issues. And the same thing for the teachers, school teachers, and the same thing for, for pediatricians. So I think that what we need to broaden the education and expand knowledge of mental health issues, and try to start screening process early on in the course. Um, you know, again, uh, that's costly. 
uh, you know, uh, planting uh, mental health uh, screening in, in early education is very important. Bringing mental health uh, uh, providers or mental health uh, 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 educated people in the school district is very important. You know, we have nurses that can only address men, uh, physical issues, but maybe those nurses need to also become more aware uh, of mental health issues that these kids can actually exhibit. It's not uncommon that kids are sort of, oh, they're odd, they're different, but really they may have a reason why they act the way they act, right, and then right. addressing them can prevent huge problems as we move forward. If More investment up it, front. Yeah, if you think about how often our kids are in school mm-hmm. and parents meet with the teachers, parent-teacher conferences or what, every, qu- every quarter or every semester. Mm-hmm. So if teachers are educated, even if it's just some basic things where you know, yeah. they can see something in a child in that environment mm-hmm. – and recommend something, at least to, to have it further checked out. Um, uh, or, or the teachers having the resources that they can reach you. I mean, if they have any questions, that we, we can't, you know, lay it all on the teachers. I think right. it's a joint effort. Mm-hmm. Parents, teachers, school district, you know, physicians, pediatricians. I mean, everybody needs to be aware of it. And then the teachers, if they have the resources within the school district that they can access and say, you know what, what is about this situation that I need to respond? How should I be addressing this issue? Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking in terms of outside the box. You know, uh, you've yeah. got the medical field, which people will think that's the play- first place you go. But if teachers now are educated because our kids spend so much time in school, yeah. now that's another level or another layer, if you will, that that you know, I don't know how feasible it is, edu- you know, education. I know they've got a lot of things that they need to keep up on. But even yeah. if they just have some basics, Absolutely. like look yeah. for these things. And if you see these things, then they can go for further Absolutely. evaluation kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, but what are the barriers? Well, I think, as I said, you know, uh, cost and uh, investment of time and education. Uh, I think these are, these are the essential barriers that we need to overcome. As a society, we need to determine what's really important and where we want to put our resources. Right. And cost, you know? I think, is a big thing. When you think about being mm-hmm. proactive versus reactive, uh, yeah. you know, the cost yeah. is so, yeah. so much less if we're on the, uh, you know, the proactive side. You know, yeah. do things up front so yeah. that the cost isn't as great later on. But yeah. um, considering the rise of suicide, addiction, and depression in our society that you mentioned earlier, what, what can we then do to to help that situation? Well, uh, I think uh, suicide is is, is a phenomena that is not just unique to the United States. It's happening across the world. And there's a lot of factors that are playing a role in it. But the principal factor really has been emotional issues and depression. Depression and anxiety has been really primarily the reasons behind. So the early detection and treatment of depression is essential to prevent suicide. But also... You know, having the peer support, having kids that 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 really uh, know and trust uh, someone that they can go to when they have emotional issues and and issues that uh, you know, when the kids think about suicide, often they don't really trust their parents and they don't trust their teachers. They they trust each other, mm-hmm. and and then one of the programs that we're working on established is called Hope Squad, which is a program that we're planning to implement at the at the, at the West Allis School District, where we educate uh, uh, kids within the school districts of becoming peer educator and peer supporters to other kids 
this program has been successful in the state of Utah, and we're going to be implementing it and funding it here uh, because we think that that is really essential. Now, when it comes to addiction, one other drug that's really most dangerous in our society, we talk a lot about opiate, but really alcohol. Alcohol is a gateway to opiate, is a gateway to many other addictions. Uh, and and you know, we have 20 million Americans who is defined as alcoholic, but really the real estimate is probably close to 50 to 60 million who have alcohol-addicted behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and really, alcohol is a deadly, deadly addiction. I mean, it contributes to more than 30,000 deaths on the highways in the United States. It contributes to over 600,000 deaths due to liver disease and strokes. And so it is another big issue. And again, it starts at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, it's, it's something that kids resort to initially for having fun, but then to remedy their anxiety and remedy their depression. And then they're on to other drugs like opiates and, and painkillers. And I know we had a discussion prior to this interview and, and uh, we had talked about the opioid crisis because you had shared statistics with me about um, alcohol. And I said, gosh, I mean, that even is greater than the opioids. And, and it was Much just, greater. Yeah, it was just amazing to me that um, I think in the in the public eye now, the focus is on op- opioid mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, problems and addictions. And so to understand that alcohol is far greater a problem uh, is, is really interesting. What about social media? We know that young, you talked about young, young kids and that these problems start at a young age. Social media, as we all well know, really takes a lot of, of the, the time from our, our young kids. So does that, does that play a role in some way? Uh, thanks for asking me that. I, I, I think it, it does. Uh, there is definite evidence that uh, there is a, a, a some increase in uh, in in uh, in uh, mental health issues associated with the with, with the use of social media. Kids are now not connecting with each other the way they used to. Uh, they're not playing with one another. Uh, they're able to see what's happening on fa- uh, on uh, with friends and, and and other family members, and they can see other people having fun or doing things, and then they could be sitting there isolated, and not doing anything, or not being involved in some other events, or or sometimes kids so- share things on social media that are that are really out of line, things about. Uh, about their own personal life, and 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 and, and often, it often puts other kids uh, really at a point where th- they don't know who they belong to. You know, they they they're now in cyberspace, and they have friends mm-hmm. that they really aren't connecting with, other than the, what those other friends are choosing to post. Uh, you know, so whether they're happy or sad, they will sit and reflect on that on them on and see themselves. Either being not out of out of the loop, or what's wrong with them? Why is it that they're not able to do this or that? Right, and and they feel more isolated. Yeah, there's definite loneliness that social media have actually created, and people are now instead of picking up the phone and calling their friends, they're texting friends. They're they're checking their web, you know, their their email, their uh, their Facebook, right. uh, and unfortunately, that's really a, a creating a tremendous amount of dysfunction. In the relationship, even within people, families, I mean, it's not uncommon that husbands and wife would text each other, or mm-hmm. or kids communicate with their parents through text or emails that, instead of just picking the phone. Mom, you right. know, right. so so I think it is disrupting the whole process of how we communicate with one another, uh, and and it's definitely impacting the mental health, especially among the young people in our society. 
Yeah, I had interviewed a while back an organization called Generations Against Bullying, and they talked about this phenomenon called bully side, where a huge issue. Yeah, huge suicide issue. and bullying uh, using social media—it's it's terrible. But um, we're running out of time, unfortunately. There's so much good, uh, so much good information here. But um, so you've got the five fifty fifty coming up. So if if people are interested in signing up for that or sponsoring it, you know, a corporation can get behind it on a sponsorship level. What should they do? Uh, go on our website, www.55050.com. Any dashes in between or just uh, all no together? Dash, just straight, all together, all together. Okay. And, uh, you know, go out and join us and go out for a walk, go out for a run. Nature is so important. Walking and activity is so important for your health, for your mental well-being and your physical health. I truly believe that, that I've been a runner for many, many years, and I also love nature, love birds and wildlife. They're so important for your well-being. Yeah. Do it. Again, a lot of, lot of statistics us. around that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, thank you, Dr. Corker, for taking a big step in offering awareness and solutions for people suffering from mental illness and for providing a way to shift our focus from mental illness to mental wellness. Absolutely. Yeah. So Dr. Corker was sharing with us about the importance of physical activity as it relates to mental health. Stay tuned to hear how another nonprofit organization is educating, equipping, and empowering veterans through physical activity and self-discovery. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo. My next guest today is Eric Hill, co-founder of Project Echelon. Thanks for being here today with me, Eric. No, thank you for uh, for having me and for providing a platform like this to be able to, to share our work and uh, reach out to the community. Well, we're excited to hear what, what you have to share today. Uh, this statistic I have used before on the show, but because it's so powerful, um, I'd like to to uh, share it again. The statistic says that more soldiers have committed suicide since the Vietnam War than have actually died in battle. In fact, over 1.3 million veterans from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars struggle with physical and mental challenges, and 22 veterans commit suicide every day. Very, very sad. Statistics show, however, that physical activity can be an important part of that uh, of a healing process. So, Project Echelon is a nonprofit that educates, equips, and empowers veterans and their communities through physical activity and self discovery. So, Eric, can you share with our listeners what started this whole venture and and why are you involved? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a, a startling startling statistic that we are working very hard to to uh, be able to overcome. Um, and to build on that, um, an additional 65% of veterans uh, that have seen action are said to, to be um, affected by PTSD, mm. um, an additional 20% um, affected by addiction. And so um, we look at that big picture and we say something needs to change. And yeah. um, that came from a friend of mine, Eric Beach, who uh, is the co-founder of Project Echelon with me. Um, he served a tour in Iraq and was involved in several IEDs, um, lost several friends, um, and came back home and uh, just tried to reintegrate into his daily life as he knew it um, and ran into those struggles. He was unable to hold a job. Um, his traumatic brain injury pre prevented him from doing the things that he was able to do day to day before that. Um, 
and he fell into a trap of um, of using drugs and alcohol as a means to self-medicate. Um, and he was in a deep spiral to the point where he had attempted suicide three times. Mm. Um, mm. Thankfully, he wasn't successful, and he started to try to find means to um, empower himself. Um, so he went and he got a service dog. Um, that was a, a major step for him. And then he started just reflecting on what was it that gave him structure um, before the military and in the military that got him through day to day. And a large part of that was physical activity. Um, and but, the dog helps with and, that. And the dog, it? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it helps with his sleep. Forces it you to get with, out and go right. for a walk yeah, or get, absolutely. Out, get outside. And so he didn't know um, where to start with that. Um, he, you know, in the military, you're, you're scheduled and people mm-hmm. tell you this is what you're doing when you're doing it. Um, and so we had to, he had a gap. Um, he knew what he needed to do, but he didn't know how to do it. So he reached out to me, um, knowing that I was a college athlete, um, a professional cyclist and, uh, knowing that I had some resources and knowledge behind that. And we just got to talking like, how can we support him in this journey to get back to physical activity, have a regimen, have a schedule and how might that benefit him? Um, so I got him some resources, um, connected with them or connected him with some of our sponsors. We're able to get him, um, on a bike, uh, got him registered for some races and uh, he completed his first triathlon, and um, to this day, he'll tell you that that experience saved his life. Mm, um, and that fantastic. that daily routine is something that he relies on every day to overcome the demons that he has, um, and to to overcome some of the struggles that he's facing in a in a safe manner. Mm. So, given our our weather <laughs> yeah. that we deal with in Wisconsin, um, do does he? Uh, bike indoors then, you know, go when yeah, you can't so get outside? Physical activity for us um, takes a variety of forms. Okay. Um, for him, it was triathlon. It was running, cycling, swimming. Um, so, yeah, indoor trainer. Um, okay. We, we partner with, um, it's a Madison-based company, Saris um, and Cyclops. They make um, trainers and smart trainers. So we were sponsored by them as a team, and um, they've helped us hook up our um, veteran population with that type of equipment nice. to make, re- regardless of where they are in the world, we, we support a veteran in Alaska. Um, oh, wow. Right? So Wonderful. dark 24 hours a day yeah. some days. Um, yeah. So to be, for him to be able to jump on and um, get a, a solid workout in is really important, and that gives him that ability to have that structure and routine. Yeah, very nice. Well, where did the name come from? Project Echelon. (laughs) Where'd you get the name? So an Echelon, um, the best way to describe it is think of a flying V. Think of ducks flying through the air. That's an Echelon, right? Um, And the reason they do that is because uh, the the duck in front is doing a lot more work than the duck behind them. Um, They say actually about 33% less energy is consumed or is used by the ducks that are flying in the draft. Mm -hmm. Um, Cyclists do the same thing. Um, we, we create an echelon on the road for person in front is breaking the wind and creating a draft for the people behind them. Uh, the idea is too, that you can move faster if you rotate who that person or that duck in front is. Um, so you're rotating and you're sharing the energy. So project echelon for us, uh, basically is taking that concept and saying, we have people in our community. We have resources in our community that can break the wind. Um, and it's our responsibility to do that and help the people behind us that are struggling. Um, but it's a nice visual. Yeah, yeah. But, but we also want to empower the people that are behind us to be able to come to the front at some point mm. and to be a leader um, and to, to be a voice in our community to help others at some point in time when they're, when they're ready. Yeah. Um, so we want to, to break that wind, but we also want to empower others to do the same. Mm. And is that basically your mission? 
Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, and to be able to do it through the community and the network that we're able to build through physical activity. Wow. Well, what are some of the issues that you've seen are the service men and women facing when they return home from service? And how does Project Echelon support them in that capacity? Yeah. Um, so coming home, I, I talked a little bit about um, the 22 a day, um, 65% affected by PTSD. could be night terrors. It could be, um, you know, other things. And then addiction as well being something. Um, the other thing is just the ability to connect with community. Um, they have their brothers and sisters, the people who have served with them, uh, that understand them, that they can rely on, that they can relate to. Um, but connecting to you and me, to everyday civilians and community members, and knowing that we have their backs, that we trust them, that we love them, that we believe in them mm-hmm. um, to make a difference. And, and I we think, thank them. And for, we thank them, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think that everybody does all of those things, but trying to communicate that in a, in a way that um, empowers them to, you know, do the things that they are setting out to do, um, you know, get a get a job, go back to school, um, reintegrate with their family, all those things. And so um, what we do is we connect from our professional cycling team. We connect them with a veteran. And um, the elite cyclist is a mentor to that veteran. All of our elite cyclists, we have 12 of them. Um, we have a, a program with some ambassadors as well um, that makes 16. All of them are mentors to the veterans that we serve. Um, and all of them are civilians. They haven't served at any point in their lives. And so it's a really nice, um, community builder and an ability to just have open conversation with somebody who wasn't in the military, uh, just build that relationship, build that, um, that trust. And then to be able to have some of those difficult conversations and feel, feel comfortable in their own shoes, knowing that I don't have to like people that aren't veterans do understand and they do care and they want to know more and they want to help. Um, but kind of breaking the ice um, on that topic is really is really difficult. So that's our way of, of doing that. Mm. Well, lots of sobering statistics. You know, the 22 veterans committing suicide every day, some of the ones that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Just something has to be done, right? Something has to change. Mm-hmm. But as I said, it's been, it's been shown that physical activity can be an important part of the healing process. So why and how? Yeah. Um, can, view it like a... Um, I'm going with the visuals today here. Mm-hmm. Uh, view it like a car, right? A car has a combustion engine, um, but if it doesn't have an exhaust, the car's going to break down. Um, it's not going to work. We have an engine. We have something that drives us, motivates us, sometimes in good ways, sometimes in bad ways. And if we don't have a means to uh, to release the exhaust, um, the same thing's going to happen to us. Mm-hmm. And so physical activity is a a great exhaust system, um, a great means to get out that anxiety, that pressure, that nervous energy, um, negative self thoughts, all of those things can be released through that. Um, the research that we were able to, to, um, look at as well, um, with Duke university, uh, was looking at the sleep cycles of people who engage in physical activity. Um, when they sleep better, they sleep deeper. Uh, they, have less incidence of PTSD, um, night terrors, and, and those types of things as well. Mm-hmm. And that deeper sleep leads to better days, sure. right? So that's just an ongoing cycle. Um, and if we can create that regimen of healthy sleep patterns, we're going to create a healthier regimen of day-to-day life. Yeah, wow. Well, we talk about how building awareness on an issue helps educate people to the challenges people face and the options that are available. And this radio show is one way to accomplish that. Engaging with the community is key. 
Mm-hmm. We talk about that a lot. So stay tuned to learn how Project Echelon is engaging with the community. We'll be right back to learn how. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and I'm talking with Eric Hill, co-founder of Project Echelon. Your tagline on your website is Educate, Empower, Equip, not only the veteran, but the community as well. So in what ways does Project Echelon engage with the community in those areas specifically? Yeah. Um, so we have a couple of different pillars that we look at. Uh, one is engaging the veteran community. Um, the first pro- step of that process is educating them. Um, they need to know what resources are, are available to them and why those resources are important. Um, we do that in a couple of different ways. We do it through our social media. Um, actually, the majority of the connections that we've made uh, with our veteran population is through our social media, whether on Facebook, if you look up at Project Echelon Racing, um, or Instagram at Project Echelon Racing as well. Um, we make the majority of our, our connections um, through that means. Um, that said, the majority of the people that we do work with are of the younger generation. However, okay. we support veterans of any, any age. age. Yeah, sure. we, we actually worked with a, a gentleman um, – mid sixties. Um, okay. he's Navy vet, never learned to swim. Think about that. Navy vet wow, hadn't learned to swim, <laughs> um, but he had a spinal cord injury. Okay. Um, and so impact activities were not viable for him. So uh, we got him a YMCA membership, um, engaged him in swimming lessons, and now he's able to engage in that physical activity. Oh, um, nice. so going ahead and educating them about issues that veterans face, uh, resources that we have available. Um, if we don't think that the resources we have um, are going to suit their needs, then we're more than happy to connect them with other um, organizations in our community. Like Collaboration that, is, p- that is key. Yeah. We're all fighting the same fight, and right. for good reason. There's no reason for us to be butting heads and, exactly. and arguing over, right? Um, so connect them with somebody else. That's our first pillar. Our second pillar is educating the, the community. Um, they need to know what issues our veterans are facing, um, and they need to know how to be able to speak to those. Um, and then, you know, so often we end with... Uh, to put it like with lip service, we say thank you for your service, but that's where our actions end. Mm. Um, for many, just saying that leaves a lot of our veterans actually pretty frustrated and upset saying, what are you thanking me for? Like, do you know? And can you show me your thanks? Right. And so we want to educate our community and engage our community and say, here's the, here's the things that you're thanking them for and here's how you can show that thanks. Here's how you can reach out. Ask them questions. Show interest in their everyday life, not just don't, they're more than a veteran, right? They're, they're people with families, with jobs, with history. Right. That, that's invest, important. Invest for sure. in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that aspect. And then our, our third pillar is um, working with businesses. So um, obviously running an organization like this requires some financial support. So how can you get involved and invested that way? But then also, how do you support your veterans in the workplace? So um, we work with uh, a number of our sponsors like Traceomatic, for example, um, where we will go ahead and we'll attend veteran um, resource fairs with them. Um, and we'll talk about, okay, if you're employed by this organization, here's the things that we do in collaboration with them to support you as an employee of that business. And so um, to go to the Waukesha County Veterans Resource Fair and, and do the same thing, um, we, we want to engage the people who are supporting them in the workplace as well. And 
again, that's the whole reason why we do this show, because there are so many resources out there. I've mm-hmm. said it before, we're very resource-rich in southeastern Wisconsin, and there is some duplication of efforts, and you know that's not all bad. You know, like you said, we're not fighting mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. but to be able to have somebody uh, who's listening understand that there is an organization like Project Echelon, yeah. we have to share these resources. We have to let people know that there are organizations out there that can help. And then for you to work with other veteran organizations, like you said, yep. you know, you may come across a veteran who, for example, likes to likes music mm-hmm. more so than cycling, you mm-hmm. know, so then you can point them to Guitars for Vets Absolutely. or and then they run into somebody who prefers exercise so they can refer them to you. And mm-hmm. we really need to take advantage of those collaborative efforts. I think that's that's important. We so do, and we, we do some other stuff, too, that I think is uh, is unique to us. Um, we like to support our, our, our students, our kids. Um, so we work with local school districts. Um, we've helped develop a, a cycling program called Riding for Focus um, in collaboration with the Specialized Foundation and a local bike shop, Velo City Cycles in Pewaukee, um, to go ahead and get kids out and riding bikes and making them aware of the benefits of uh, physical activity as well, whether they become a veteran or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important that we're educating them, and hopefully they go home and talk to mom and dad about our story as well. For sure. Um, you're, I mean, your, your day job is, is dealing with education, right? It is. Schools. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, that's definitely where, where my heart lies. And luckily I'm able to, to tie those two things together in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be involved in, you know, your, your veterans day parade, um, and events like that too, is, is really important just for us to be visible, um, and to, to build that camaraderie. Absolutely. Well, well, what's the vision for the future for Project Echelon? Yeah. So, um, in, in 2016, um, we really, this is when we were able to kick off. Um, we were the recipients of a, a um, Department of Veteran Affairs Entrepreneurship Grant uh, through nice. the state of Wisconsin. Very nice. Um, and in 2015, we had served five veterans. That was how many people we had reached. Um, we quadrupled that in, uh, in 2016. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, That's so, wonderful. So that was great. But in last year in 2018, we, um, we served 67 veterans. Oh my goodness. Um, we engaged in 18 school visits. Um, wow. and so, That's quite a jump. yeah, we, we made a massive, um, yeah, impact, growth big, impact, yeah, right. Yeah. And so our goal for 2019 is to, um, to be able to serve a hundred veterans. Um, so we are supporting, um, Everything from people doing triathlons to marathons to yoga classes to um, in Pewaukee, there's an event called the Armed Forces Challenge. Um, suggest you check that out. Uh, really cool event, but we're supporting four uh, teams in, in that event. So just really trying to find ways to continue to grow our network um, and the number of people that we are able to, to support. Um, we also have a vision to be able to hold a, a veterans conference. Um, where we would bring our alumni in and we'd bring our mentors in and we would be able to run small group cohort workshops um, to go through the steps that educate um, equipment and power. Um, and we would do things, everything from talking about nutrition to um, healthy lifestyle to just building community and trust. Um, bring in some of the our sponsors and the people that um, support us and let them engage and talk about employment opportunities or education opportunities or what have you, um, and then other organizations within, within the community that could possibly provide resources to support these men and women. 
Well, we uh, we'll have to talk after this interview because uh, you know we talk about how uh, Ellen Becker has a state of the art education center yeah. where we work with nonprofits. Uh, offer that uh, that facility free of charge, and so you might be able to have some of your seminars right in our Ellen Becker Education Center. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got a lot of neat things going on for the future. It sounds like, and and having a, a great impact. So mm-hmm. that's wonderful. What would you say to our listeners is your call uh, to action? You know, what are some of the different opportunities for community members and businesses? You talked a little bit about yeah. that before, uh, but it w- we went by really quickly. You had mentioned some other sites to check, and then we want to know how people can get a hold of you as well. So. Yeah, uh, for, we'd love for you to check us out on um, projectechelon.org. Um, Echelon is E-C-H-E-L-O-N. Uh, so we'd love to, to have you check us out that way and just look at the different resources that we have available. Um, we have a podcast called The Art of Endurance. So if you're wondering, what can I do uh, to go ahead and just engage in authentic conversation with our veterans? If you're a community member thinking that, like, how do I just show my investment and love for these people? Uh, take a listen. Uh, you'll get some interesting perspectives, things that maybe you haven't thought about before. Okay. Um, and how do we get to that podcast? If you go to our website, it's linked right out of there. Okay. Yep. Um, it's also on iTunes. So, oh, okay. Yep. Art of Endurance. Um, it's by Eric Beach. Uh, he facilitates that for the most part. Okay. Um, so we'd love for you to check that out. Um, for our businesses, we would love to be able to work with you in partnership and um, have you join us as a, as a sponsor of our organization. Uh, we feel that we have a lot that we can give back as well um, with regards to supporting your employees, um, whether they're veterans or not, mm-hmm. um, and just offering resources and knowledge um, and then a, you know, a network of people that can support one another. Like you said, um, we're really big into um, just understanding our community has a, a lot of resources and making all those resources work together um, so that we can overall just make this a better place to live. Yeah, and yeah. everybody can everybody can, can, can play do a part. that. Yep. Yeah, everybody Absolutely. can be a part of that. So contact information. Yep. Uh, do you have a phone number, the, your Facebook page? Yeah, um, so again, it's at Project Echelon Racing um, on both Facebook and Instagram. If you go to projectechelon.org, um, we have a contact us page on there. Um, there will be a drop down saying, are you contacting as a community member looking to get involved, a business looking to um, enter through sponsorship? Um, so that would be a great way to start. Otherwise, you can directly email me at ehill at projectechelonracing.com. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. I actually want to thank all our guests today, both our guests, Dr. Adel Corker, founder of the Adel Corker Foundation, and you, Eric Hill, co-founder of Project Echelon. Thank you both for all you do to bring awareness and education to mental health issues and veterans in our community. If you'd like further information about the people or the organizations we talked to today, you can email me at jill at ellenbecker.com, or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. If you can't tune in to the show via radio, you can listen on your laptop or the iHeartRadio app. You can also ask Alexa to play WISN AM 1130. And if you've missed a show, no worries. You can visit our website, ellenbecker.com, to listen to previously aired shows. So thank you for joining us today for a daily dose of encouragement and education on how people are making an impact in our community. Join us again in two weeks as we talk with other inspiring guests who will share how they're making a difference. We hope that you'll find a connection with either Project Echelon or the Adel Corker Foundation or any of the other past uh, wonderful nonprofits that we've had on the show. And, and uh, just make a connection. Uh, make it a goal to use your time, your talents, and or your resources to give back in in some way. I guarantee it'll be a blessing. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing every day. Have a great Sunday.